Yes, sir. And welcome to the road to Damascus, where it's not about uh, not about the road; it's about the journey. And I want to thank you for coming and listening to another episode of the Road to Damascus. As always, I'm your host Brock Hendricks, and I want to introduce my co-host. I'm gonna start with the ladies. The lady to my right, Lauren. Say what's up. What's up, Lolo? Hey, everybody. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. And the lady directly in front of me, the rabbi, the one and only, Miss Shonda. How are you, Shonda? I'm glad to be here again today. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. And the man who's been with me, I think every show. Oh, no, you did miss one show, so. But one or no, it's just one. The one me and you did together that time. So, uh. But it's my boy Steph. Say what up, Steph. How you doing? What up? All right, all right. Well, I just always want to let the people know before we start on our topic that if you uh want to reach out to us or you have any comments or anything, you can reach us at the road to Damascus. That's road the number two Damascus at iCloud.com. As well as on social media, road to Damascus on Instagram and underscore road to Damascus. On Twitter, we would love any comments, feedback, or any emails or show topics or things you would like to hear us to discuss. Go ahead and uh, shoot us an email. DMs are always open, and we look forward to listening to you all. So today's show, I think, is going to be a very interesting one. Um, We're going to see how this goes, but this was a topic that um, I felt needed to be discussed, and One thing I made a commitment to do when I started this podcast, that no topic was going to be too taboo or too off the cuff to discuss. So today we are discussing pro-life and pro-choice. Yes, that's right. Pro-life and pro-choice. Not pro-life versus pro-choice, but pro-life and pro-choice. So I know this discussion can be a little contentious. It can be a little... um, It can be political in some ways as well, but we're going to, uh, I think, try to have a discussion where we give information, facts, and uh, some statistics, as well as our opinions, and then we'll go from there. So I'm going to uh, do what I always do every show and start with the ladies first. So, um, Lauren, when you hear pro-life versus pro-choice, or excuse me, pro-life and pro-choice, what do you think? When I hear pro-life, when I hear pro-choice, I don't want to put my views out here, <laughs> but what I will say is I am pro-choice. Okay. And the reason why I am pro-choice is because when I read my Bible, never in the Bible does Jesus where anybody in the Bible say, this is what you have to do. We were given a choice. God gave us a choice to say if we wanted to live or die, if we if we want to read the word or not, if we want to be saved or not. So I feel like when it comes to this topic, everybody wants to do it for whatever reason. And taking away someone's choice it's taking away their freedom. And we live in a country that is, they give you all these rights and amendments. So who are we to take it away? Someone's choice. Absolutely. All right. Shonda? Well, for me, uh, 
I'm probably going to put some of my views out at some point in this discussion. I, I know I am. But for me, when I hear pro-life uh, and or pro-choice, I always think um, of the duality. It's both spiritual and political. But I don't think that men have the right to police women's bodies. You know, I have a real issue with that. Um, God doesn't rob us of our choices, and neither should the government. And for those who think it is um, a sin, you can't legislate sin by passing a law. The Bible proved that with the Ten Commandments. So, my body, my choice. All right. Stephan? <clears throat> well, I agree with some stance on both of them, to be perfectly honest, on the pro-life side. And then uh, I would say, me personally, I'm pro-choice for sure. Because God, all-knowing God, all-powerful God, gives us choice in our own life. So who am I to regulate somebody else? Absolutely. Well, I think you kept it sweet and short. So I guess I should give. <laughs> well, I you guess right. I, I, I guess I should give my um, two cents. And I'm, I'm kind of with Shonda as far as I know. A lot of my views are going to get into this a little bit, and that's fine because that's what we're here to do. Um, so I am one. And I'm going to break it down the way I break it down to people. I am pro-choice because the opposite of choice is no choice. The opposite of life is death. So when you say pro-life versus pro-choice, you are giving two false equivalencies of one another. The opposite of life is not choice. The opposite of life is death. And I am one who I would say that, yeah, I, I'm, 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 not one who will support abortion, but I am not one who's going to tell anybody what they need to do with their body. And I am going to be one that is pro-choice because I believe in people's right to choose to do whatever they want to do. To piggyback what Lauren said, um, if a person chooses to do drugs, if a person chooses to serve God and not serve God, if a person chooses to um, live in a lifestyle that I might not agree with, my job is to um, discipleship to those people, but not to legislate anything or make laws that will take away a person's ability to have a choice. I always say that at the very beginning, the fruit in the, the tree in the garden of good of evil, good, the tree of good and evil that was in the garden of Eden represented choice. The fruit on the tree was choice. It wasn't an apple, wasn't a pear, wasn't a fig. It was choice. That tree sat there because if that tree didn't sit there and they didn't have a choice whether or not to eat off that tree, they would be robots that were subject to just God told them what to do and you have to do it. So God gives us the ability to choose whether to serve him, not to serve him, whether to eat from the tree of good and evil or not eat from the tree of good and evil. And that's why I would also consider myself pro-choice from that standpoint. So that's where we go from there. So now to the topic portions or the part where I start to ask questions and, and we really start to dig into this thing. Um, Shonda, what brought you to become pro-choice? Or, you know, because with us being in the church community, we've all just been told you got to be pro-life. Um, you know, you can't be for abortion. And, you know, I, I, I didn't wake up with that opinion. You know, this is something I would say that I've came into the last 10 years. So what was it that brought you to that conclusion? I've always been pro-choice. Okay. Um, I've never allowed myself to be convinced to be pro-life. 
And one, one of the reasons is because the, the same people who tout pro-life so strong are the same people who are in support of the death penalty. And one of the phrases that I've heard you say is that life should be from the womb to the tomb. So how is it that your fight is so strong for a fetus? And then after it's born, there are no laws that legislate the children who live beneath the poverty line. There's no law. You're the same people who refuse to pass those laws to help the mothers take care of these children. Also the same people who pass laws that endanger the lives of these children once they become teenagers, you know, and, and some of these laws don't even allow you to look at black children as children. So I've never been pro-life. I've always okay. been pro-choice. All right. All right. And what about you, Steph? Yeah, no, um, the pro-choice thing was, well, all right, I'll say this. Um, I'm a fan of the seed, right? Of course. I mean, we all started from a seed. If we, if we you know, pretty much were just uh, pro-choice on just everything, then we wouldn't be here because some of our parents probably wouldn't have us. We were all a, a choice, you know, for them to have us. Um, again, though, I will say on the pro-choice side, not the pro-life side, the pro-choice side, you have to give everybody an option because of the fact that some people are conceived in different ways, you know, through traumas and um, we would say, like, when I say traumas, I want to be more specific, so I'm going to say, like, rape, um, you know, various ways, right? We had kind of had an off-air an off air discussion. We kind of talked about those various ways, and I'm pretty sure we've got a that, show. So yeah. we <laughs> show, so right. we're going we're gonna to talk on those. But the pro-choice was the, the one that I've always been a fan of because of the fact that, or I've always had a major stance on because of the fact that, like I, like I said in, like, a little brief uh, interlude, right, um, to where I talked about how God gives us choices. It's extremely important that we instill those exact same choices to each other because then if not, it becomes a dictatorship. You try to tell somebody um, how they're supposed to live their body or how they're supposed to live, how they're supposed to uh, manage their body, the decision that they're supposed to make, how it's supposed to impact their life. And having a child impacts somebody's life drastically. It's, it's not just a you have the child and then after that, like Shonda said, kind of, uh, you know, building on her points, she said that, you know, like having the kids and things like that, you don't, you don't care past the conception part. Once they're older, then you have regulations and things that affect the children, you know, and then affect them in a negative way. So you don't care after the child is conceived you only care at the point of conception. And then after that, the child is neglected. So if you're going to have a stance on pro-life, strictly pro-life, not pro-choice, you got to be able to back up pro-life with actual lifelong pro-life, not conception pro-life. So are you telling me pro-life only lasts nine months? Absolutely. I like that. And um, just to, before I go to you, oh, wow. like yeah, that just hit me. So pro life has has a uh, has a shelf a, life. Yeah, shelf life. There it's we a go. Shelf life. Yeah. But but just before I go to you, Lauren, um, Shonda, just to piggyback what you said about uh, pro life and pro choice or pro life people are for the death penalty. The original pro life movement started in 1962, and that was for people that were against the death penalty 
against the war and also for um, unborn children. So that was all encompassed in the original pro-life movement. So the pro-life movement didn't start um, with abortion and the term was adopted um, later on by the religious right. So, Wait, wait. Uh, Can I say something before absolutely. you start? While you gathering, you know, <laughs> while you loading the gun, um, pro-life means anti-abortion, right? Okay, but pro-choice doesn't mean pro-abortion, right? It simply means you have the right to decide when and whether to have children. So that's 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 an issue for me. Oh no, and and, and we're gonna delve deeper into. To, to all of this, I think that's why I think the conversation is going to go long because even a lot of these same groups are against contraceptives as well. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, because yeah. pro-choice is way beyond just abortion. Right. 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 And so... Pro-life stops at abortion. It has a shelf life. Right. Like we just determined. <laughs> all right. Sorry about that, Lo. So <laughs> go, okay. you know, go ahead, Lo. I actually was going to say something along the lines that Shonda had said, but I was um, going to piggyback on what Stephanie All right. Go ahead. So when he had brought, brought up the fact that um, sometimes when women get pregnant and they're, they're pregnant off of molestation or rape or whatever the case may be, when you tell a woman that you're basically ignoring the fact that this wrong was done to her or this sin. Everybody loves to say, oh, that's a sin. So this sin was done to her. And you want her to live with that sin every single day. Now, I listen to me. I am not saying go get an abortion or not go get an abortion. It's But what I am saying is it's your choice. And when a woman has went through something or a woman has experienced something that could be traumatic or it could be something that is the most beautiful thing she ever could imagine and something she always wanted. But if the situation and the terms are not correct, then it's my choice because it's your choice to lay down and do the act. So it should be your choice as to if you want to keep it or not. And I think that when people try to excuse away the outside things, and they try to say, well, this is a decision that she made. Well, if it's my decision, then let me figure out my consequences. In the world that we live in, we we allow people to do the act, per se, but then when there are consequences, we want to be the ones to hand them out. But you're not the one that created the scenario, so you shouldn't be able to play it out. Absolutely. Absolutely, I like that. Um, so... Let, let, let's go here with it. So the church, we know over the last um, 40 years, um, starting, well, 40 plus years, starting with um, uh, conservative Christians in the 1970s, they basically promised to deliver, um, and I think I brought this up when Ben was on the show, they promised to deliver the White House and bring Christians on board to start um, ser- helping and elect Republicans into office. The the birthplace of <laughs> birthplace pun intended. The birthplace of the pro life movement began as a way to keep school segregation going because Christian schools wanted to stay segregated. But they 
weren't going to be able to keep getting um, tax funded money to help these institutions out because of them still staying segregated. And Jimmy Carter, who was an uh, evangelical at the time, they basically turned their backs on them and said that because he was the one who told them that they needed to integrate. So they needed to find a topic that would be able to um, drive people in a way you can't, you're not going to directly say, well, we just want to keep our schools segregated, but you had to find a way to make people think that their rights are being infringed upon. So you um, underput it into this um, pro-life movement because Roe v. Wade passed in 1971. These things did not start to happen until around 1976. And if most people know the, which we'll get into that later. So that's another part. But so when it comes to the church and our involvement in this, um, and it's really more white Christian conservatives. I mean, we've been raised as Christians. We know what we've been taught, but who really become these single issue voters. And then to find out that 60, was it 66% Shonda? Give the statistics um, about um, the percentage of people that get abortions and their um, uh, denomination affiliation. 39% were white women, 28% black, 25% Hispanic, but 17% Protestant, 13% evangelical. Wait, say that one more, that second, for how many evangelicals? 13%. Okay. And 24% Catholic. And if you add those numbers up, you would see that 50, was that almost 60%? Yes. Of abortions that are received are by people of faith. So what are we supposed to think of that when we hear that? Lauren, I'll start with you. Well, number one, we are supposed to, you can say think, you can say no, that the act is definitely being done. Right. And for me, I think that because... It's been put out there like if you if you have sex before a marriage, you this gonna happen to you, you gonna go to hell. Uh, you know, they shun you, they do this, they do that. So you do the only thing that you think you can do to keep you looking clean and fresh and and nobody can judge you, you go and get an abortion. Because there's no way, oh no, I'm not gonna let nobody know I committed this sin. But then are you really living in your truth? And are you really allowing yourself to be the light? Because as believers, it's our job to go out and influence people and influence the world. We are not supposed to be people that, you know, portray to be perfect. All of us come from some walk of life. We didn't been through something. And when we decide to hide because of what other people think, how are we really making an impact? We're not. Got you. Shonda? Lauren really hit the nail on the head. (laughs) But um, because the church doesn't talk about sex and heterosexuality, because they are jumping up and down on homosexuality, but because we don't talk about heterosexuality, people are hiding the fact that they're having sex. So I don't want to be caught. So let me just get rid of the baby. So... (laughs) If you look at it from that aspect, actually, in uh, actuality, the church is probably kind of assisted 
and those abortion numbers going up. But the church seems to look to the government to do what it should do. And that's tell people the truth. The government doesn't define what's right or wrong. The Bible does that. The government doesn't decide what is sin. The Bible does that. And it cannot absolve you of sin or forgive you uh, from it either. So you want the government to legislate a law so you don't have to have the conversation. You still have to have the conversation because as the statistics show, the rate of abortions in the church is high. What we should do is tell people the truth. Tell them the truth about sex. Tell them the truth about all of the, the pros and cons, all of the things that can happen as a result of um, sex. Tell them that you shouldn't, you shouldn't kill, you shouldn't fornicate. And if you do, protect yourself against diseases and unwanted pregnancy. And once you deliver that truth, mind your business. I like that. I like that a lot. Steph? Just rewind the show back about two minutes, three minutes, hear La La and hear Shonda's points. And, uh, that's, the, that's the answer to it. I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty much the stance right there. Uh, um, I, I think what to piggyback what Shonda said, I think that the biggest thing, and we can di- dive into this part right now, but I think the biggest thing is, and we talked about this, but sexual education in the church. Um, we want the government to take – sex ed out of schools because we don't want the schools talking about sexual education and talking about contraception. We want you to then legislate and not allow people to get abortions. And then we think after all of this is done, then nobody will ever get an abortion again where they don't understand. People will find a way to get done what they want to get done. There, there, before Roe v. Wade in the 60s, people would get back alley abortions. They were going to doctors in dark rooms and unsanitary. And I mean, and I'm going to use a movie, I don't know, but it was Dirty Dancing. Remember the sister got the abortion and then the dad who was the doctor helped her and things like that, if people remember. And that other movie, uh, what is it, For Color Girls? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that one was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so this. So these are things that were the reality of some people. Um, But if we do not as a body and as a church begin to um, have these conversations within our own body, within our own home, and just keep pushing purity, yeah, you want to talk about abstinence and why it's important and why saving yourself from marriage and all of those things. But you have to talk about about protections and why it's important. Like It's one of those things where... When I had to talk with my son, I was very honest with him. I didn't tell him, you know, I didn't make sex to be a forbidden fruit. I told him, I said, sex is beautiful. It's lovely. It feels good. You will enjoy it very much. Right. But these are the consequences that come with having sex. Right. My desire is that you wait until you're married. But if you don't wait until you're married, here's some condoms. Be smart. And if you're going to do it, at least protect yourself. And, and, and you go from there. It's like you give the person the information. And because at the end of the day, it's, this is not a microwave. It's just like with discipleship. I can't force you to serve God. Right. I can only give you the information to lead you to the truth of God and hope that you make the right decision. Right. So let me ask you all this. Why do you all think the church 
and more or less, when I say church, I mean the bodies. And because of the church is a body, the evangelical white conservatives is part of that body as well. Why do you think they are so against contraception and, and teaching about contraceptives, um, birth control, and things like that? I'm, I'm going to start with you, Steph. Why do you think? No, because they think that pro life or they think pro choice is does not mean that you're, you're or means that you're not in opposition of abortion right pro choice you can still be pro choice and still be uh in opposition of abortion they don't think that they don't though. think that but the only the, the truth is pro choice just means you can be uh in opposition or in agreement to abortion but you are mainly in agreement to this person uh, he or she or whatever, you know, them as a collective are making a decision of doing what they want to do with their, their situation or the decision that they want to make, not me saying, hey, no, I'm pro-life. Pro-life is only one way. It's no two ways to pro-life. Right. No and like Shonda said, pro-life is really anti-abortion. There that's, you go. That's really no, all That's it. literally what it is. Right. Pro-choice is saying, hey, I may not be in agreement. Like I said earlier, um, I said I, I agree with the – only part I agree with on the pro-life part is the abortion thing. It, I mean, it really is rough when some people actually are, you know, to have a sex, like Lolo said, you know, they made the decision. They're having sex. They know they're having sex. They're probably of, of a decent age where they can make a decision, and they have a child. And then they say, you know what, I don't want to have a kid right now. I just don't want any kids. So now they're having an abortion. Um, in that in that way, I would say no. I'm, I'm against abortions because some people are trying to have kids and can't have kids. You were blessed with the child because, like, I'm looking at this scripture, right? I see a beautiful scripture. It's in Psalms, and Psalms says, I'm pulling it up right now. It says Psalms 139. I believe the scripture is 15 to 16, but this is out of the Message Bible, which I'm a fan of the Message Bible. It says, like an open book. You watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. That's like a an old day, you know, to like how God just watches us in every stage from seed to a full ripe tree. And so I would say um, being in a church. They only want to pick one side. They want to say, hey, because they read scriptures like these and they see how awesome life is when God gives us life, he chooses life for us and he gives us the opportunity to have life. I'm against abortions, period, because you're not giving a seed the, the, the decision to say if they want to live a life or not. Gotcha. But before that seed can live a life, it has to have a caregiver, somebody right. who's going to take care of that seed. Now. I'll say we all agree that we're pretty much all pro-choice in here. Nobody said they're pro-life, which means Brock, Shauna, Lauren, and myself, we may be against abortions in certain cases. Right. But we stood on the side of saying you make your decision like Lolo's already said. Well, you I, do what you want to do. But I'm going to take the stance on this side and say, hey, whatever decision you make, you make. I'm going to stand behind you. And then I'm going to try to use the scripture to back up um, – Whatever decision you made and try to help you through that. Right. I mean, I well, think that's our that's our complete. Well, thing, I, right? I I will say I don't think anybody here said they're for abortions. Now, um, before I go to you go to you, Shonda, I'm 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 gonna be honest and, and just go with the hypocrisy part of this, even with that, before we get go back to the contraception. 
everybody's against or for something until they're in the situation that they have to be confronted about it. I.e., I know personally pastors, first ladies who were pro-life against abortion until their children got pregnant. And <laughs> or until the mistress got pregnant. Or until the mistress got pregnant. And now all of a sudden, the abortion is the only way that I can get out of this situation without people knowing my business. I think Lolo built on that already. <laughs> no, no. But, I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Like, we always are against something until we are in the situation faced with having to make a decision that I, as the pastor of this church, who have preached this message and try to make other people feel bad for getting abortions now have to tell the congregation that my daughter is pregnant or my son got his daughter pregnant. So you're going to take her out of the state or into the county next over and go get this abortion. And nobody will ever know the wiser until she gets older and gives her testimony about what happened in her life when her parents made her get an abortion, even though in the home and in church every Sunday, they heard their father or their mother talk about the importance of life, the importance of God knowing you before I created you in your mother's womb. They heard this and they figured, I've done the act. I have to now keep this baby. But the parents said, no, that is not going to happen because you're going to make me look bad. The actual reality. So, yeah, so... So I just had to drop that real quick because at the end of the day, it's easy for people to hear our conversations and things like that and, and be upset or how can they say this or whatever they may say. But let's not be hypocrites and act like when 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 when, when the pressure's on, you ain't like, wait, what? Right. Uh-huh. Excuse you. You know, because, I mean, people that have scares and it's like the, the little, the, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't saved my whole life. And, you know, it was a couple of women that you slept with and you, didn't always wear protection, and you just hope, please, Lord, please don't. No, I, I had some scares, and I definitely, I definitely would have been like, you need that three hundred, <laughs> and I ain't talking about that Chrysler. <laughs> so, um, so I felt like I just needed to 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 put that caveat in there because one thing that I do not stand for and will not go for is hypocrisy. Um, so. Shonda, the floor is yours. And, and, and when I say contraception, not just, you know, birth control, IUD, but even like a plan B. Um, um, we don't, because at the end of the, the day, um, sperm even gets you know, to that doesn't say it that for really conception because you got that window that you have to um, perform. But keep You're your thoughts down. well educated on the subject. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, who me? Oh, uh, hey, hey, like I said, hey, I, I, have, I, I have said. I love this show. No, no, listen. I have said, and listen. I've done. I, I have given Plan Bs before. I have went to the store and purchased Plan Bs. I'm. I will not sit here and and, and because my thing is, if I'm going to educate people, if I am going, I don't, I'm not afraid to walk in my truth. Right. I have. I have at least four. I know at least off the top. It ain't been like a hundred times. It's been about four times that I've had to do Plan Bs, and 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 I, I've even one time done it while I was married. So I'm not about to sit here and right. pretend like it was just like I wasn't even married. Or like even being married, I've done Plan B before. So yeah, with your wife. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I just yes. want you to clear. Right. Yes, you feel me? Yes. Okay. I, I want you to. No, no, not a mistress, not a side chick or something. Go, yeah. So right. let I, me make that part abundantly clear. Yeah, so I purchased that part. some Plan Bs too. So yeah. Know. So 
All right. So now to the ladies, we'll start with you, Shonda. <laughs> Back to the part. I love the show. Back to the part about um, contraceptives. But before I say that, I appreciate the fact, you know, uh, I appreciate being able to sit on a panel with people who are just brutally and blatantly honest. You know, it takes a lot to be honest and not care about what people are going to say. Because in order for you to know why I am the way that I am, there's some history, you know, that made me this way. And, uh, and you ain't got to like it. You know, you ain't got to like it. But okay. One reason I think why people uh, are so tough against contraceptive contraceptives is the fact that our country is flipping. You know, the majority is vastly becoming the minority. So one way, you know, to repopulate is to take this stand against abortions. You know, that way we can stay, you know, the majority. It's not going to happen. You know, it's just not going to happen. There's no way you can avoid They're that. scared of 2040. Isn't that, know, the, isn't that the year that is? It's coming. And um, I wonder if the stance would be the same if there was a law on the books that said if you were a male and you were unmarried by 25, you had to have a vasectomy. I wonder if, you know, they would be, you know, um, as firm about that as they are about controlling women's bodies. Reproductive, right. And um, the second part is I hear a lot of people say, you know, you want to have sex, but you don't want the responsibility. Um, that's not just with sex. That's across the board. You want to be a member of Congress, but you don't want the responsibility of the people. Or you want to be a pastor, but you don't want to bear the responsibility of telling the truth. That could be... Um, said about any position that anybody takes. You know, I think it was uh, Mitch McConnell who said that I'm, I'm here to make sure that nothing President Obama sends across here passes. I'm going to make so, him a one-term president. Yeah, uh, you failed. But the point is, what about your job? What about what you're supposed to be doing for the people? People get in positions and they forget you know, um, that I was once there. And I think it's easy for people to look at a woman sitting in an abortion clinic and say, I would never. That's because you have never been in her shoes. And God forbid that you have to sit in her shoes. But I would be careful of saying what I would never do. Absolutely. Lo? Um, I was reading this article, and in the article it has said that 57, it was like 57.7% of um, women between the ages of 20 to 24 were getting abortions, right? So when you think about 57.7%, that's over half of the women. It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with race or anything. Just these women in this age category. Right. And it made me think, like, why? Is it because they're not being taught properly or... They don't have the resources. What is it, right? right? And when you think about all of these different things we have out here, Plan B, how much does Plan B cost? Well, yeah. 70, like $70? I mean, unless you go to the Kroger's over there on 12 months. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I, well, even, even I, I remember, no, it used to, Plan B used to be two pills. Okay. Now it's just one. And how so, much does it cost? Like yeah, $70 for no, is it. No, it's like it's like fifty, bro. Oh, okay. unless did it go up? So fifty dollars, right? A woman that already typically 
works paycheck to paycheck or has a child somewhere else or trying to make ends meet, who has time to pay $50? Like, who can afford to pay $50 to get rid of, you know, like something that you don't even know that's there for for sure? Right. You know what I mean? And, again, I'm not saying that I'm for abortions. I'm I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that when a woman gets into a situation and they have free clinics, they have free clinics that you can go to. To, get, to go and get an abortion. And when you take away these resources, but you put resources on the shelf so you say that they can afford or that's affordable for everybody, it's not affordable for everybody. And you don't know what a person can afford. And you don't know what a person been through to be able to walk into the, the Kroger down the street to, to buy this Plan B pill. So when an abortion is your only choice, when you know that you have no way out of the situation that you're in, who are we to stop it? Because most of the times, if you see a young girl on the street and she walking down the street, she got three kids, what you going to say? What, she what, what comes in your mind? Oh, is she out there? Is she a, a hoe? Basically, or, or is she, you know, if she young and she got three kids, you, you can like, go, oh. She got three kids? At that age? But you don't know what where she come from, what right. circumstance. But then if you see a, a young woman walking down the street and she don't have no kids, you're like, oh, she must be a nice young lady. She may have got 10 abortions. Yeah, that's you, true. That, you never know. So it's like sometimes people don't want to be the poster child to be the aha. Right. I told you. No, I got you. <laughs> Sean, hey, real quick, Sean, before you say what you <laughs> My thing is this, and even early on, like the Catholic Church early on, 50s and 60s, was completely against, like, contraceptive at all. And we all know somebody or grew up, we we grew up in a church where I personally know um, a family where the mother had 22 children, was pregnant 25 times. And when you start to hear, like, wait, she was pregnant how many times? So she birthed 22 children, lost three of them. Like that's the, the the toll that even just pregnancy and having children puts on your body. But you didn't get you didn't get on birth control back then. I know I know IUD wasn't around, but the talks of being on birth control then is like no, you don't do that. You get you get pregnant and you have the baby. Not knowing how you gonna take care not of it. not how you how you gonna take care of it or anything like that. So this has been you know built into the fabric. Uh, forever and it's just amazing to me that all right if you want to be pro-life and you don't want people getting abortions then why are you not educating about contraceptives i mean to me like because the contraceptive is not killing the fetus the contraceptive is preventing you from getting pregnant and that's what is there but you don't even want people to do that but then that goes back to if you do that now the responsibility now comes back to you to educate your children about sex right like or, or like could you imagine if we was at church and somebody said um we're gonna separate the the men and the women we're gonna have a talk about sex then we're gonna bring them back together and then when i had a man i'm showing them how to put a condom on a banana like people will go nuts like why are you even teaching them how to do that, that because no but i'm saying because if they are gonna do it i want them to know how to do it right. but, bananas or abortions right <laughs> And and before Shonda talk, I just want to say no, one come thing. On. Okay. I, 
I want to say that um, going back to like like the ages that I just said, right. but even what you said about being at church, it's literally to the point where when a when a young lady or a young man gets of age, they don't teach you how to protect yourself. They want to teach you how to be a wife and how to be a husband and how you're supposed to dress and how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to talk. But you don't give me the basic life fundamentals that I need to go out in the world that's going to chew me up when I get out there. Right. Right. Well, no, and, and but that goes back to education. Absolutely. Like, to me, this this is about education is we this show, to me, the, the premise when I thought of the road to Damascus was to have conversations that I felt needed to be had because they weren't being had in the church. To talk about things that needed to be talked about. And now that we had a dynamic of um, two two women, two men, Gen X, Gen Z, millennial, you, you get what I'm saying? We can all look at it from our perspectives and the way we grew up. But these conversations are necessary. The pastors, and even really, the pastors should, like, we have to be, as parents, as all, as I'm a parent, Shonda, you're a parent, Lauren and Stefan, you know, in the future, the Lord blesses and says the same, y'all to be parents. It's up to you and your household to have these conversations. I had the sex talk with my son. He wasn't going to learn it from the world. Right. Because the minute you allowed your children to learn it from the world, and I don't care if you homeschool them, I don't care. You can't shelter them forever because the minute that they have to step out of your doors, they are going to go into a world and they will be chewed up and spit out. And and because, and it brings me to, it was a show where Amish people, I guess when you're Amish, they give, when you get a certain age, they let you leave the community for one year Mm -hmm. and decide if you want to come back. And uh, the percentage of them that end up going back, like that community is starting to shrink. shrink. Yeah. Why? Because, wait, they watch TV, they got running water, they, they got plumbing, drive. they can yeah. drive, they can, not not just the the the, the, the sex and the, the all of that other stuff, because at the end of the day, you can't prevent your children from seeing these things, but you can educate them right. about what these things are and why they need to understand what these things are. And if we don't educate we will continue this cycle and reproduce after our own kind, Absolutely. as Shonda like to say. So you, I, I know I went on a long diatribe, okay. but I know. Go ahead, Shonda. That's okay. Um, I just wanted to say, one, I'm pretty sure I know why the Catholic Church don't need contraception. That's for another, <laughs> okay. that's for another show. <laughs> that's, that's another show. But uh, we have to stop shaming people for the mistakes that they make and the method that they choose to correct those mistakes. That's not our job you know, to shame and to guilt them into doing what we think they should do. We've all made mistakes. Our job in that instance is restoration. And if you're not um, effectively skilled at that, then just leave it to the people who are. Um, And secondly, we don't teach people who are about to get married about real intimacy. We let a, a man propose to a woman. And, and go through marriage counseling and still not have the, the sex conversation. Still not talk about intimacy because sex is not intimacy. And then people get married and the only time he touches me is when we're getting ready to have sex. How long do you think this marriage is going to last? It's not just for the single people. Like these conversations really have to happen because there are married people who end up <clears throat> pregnant. I don't want to have a baby by this person. 
you know, I realize I am not in love um, with them anymore. You never know what has pushed this person to this decision. And shaming them is not going to help. Nope. Yeah, you know what? I was just uh, thinking. Um, I tend to do that a lot. <laughs> and I was uh, actually thinking about how I don't want people to think that we're trying to change. Because a lot of people that are really, uh, I hate to say it like this, but like holy rollers, right? And they, they say, uh, why are you guys trying to go against the word? Nobody's trying to go against the word when we're talking about pro-choice, right? We're not trying to, we're not talking about murder and taking lives. We're talking about making the choice of a decision that is geared towards love, right? Same thing that happened when Jesus was around, right? Jesus was doing things out of love, but the Sadducees and Pharisees were more so caught up, so, so caught up in the law that they looked at Jesus as doing things. Everything he was doing was wrong. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's the exact same thing when you talk to other people that are, are you know, um, in the body. And you ask them certain questions about pro-life. And they're like, well, I'm not trying to go against the word. It's not going against the word. Right. It's actually reinforcing the true, the true essence of what Jesus is talking about, which he's, he's talking about love. We're talking about allowing people to make a decision. And enforcing it with love to say, hey, listen, you make your own decision, but I'm going to tell you what you I'm going to tell you my stance on it. But at the exact same time, I'm not going to look at you any differently in the decision that you're going to make. If not, then what side of history are you going to stand? Are you going to stand on the side of the Sadducees and Pharisees? Are you going to stand and walk in the exact same path that like Jesus walked in where you say, you know what? Let me take the approach of love versus the approach of the, the law, essentially. Where people are trying to say, no, no, you want, you don't want to be, you don't want to be on that side. You don't want to, you don't want to do that. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter the circumstance. If you were, uh, if you laid down and you had a child, then you need to have the child. Or hey, if you got, if you got raped, I mean, it was God's will for you to have that child. You look at somebody and you tell them they got raped, and it was God's will for him, them to have that child. Or was that? The natural order of things, and that person ejaculated in that woman, and that that woman was still gonna have that child regardless of how the circumstance happened, right? It's the exact same thing. So this way, this conception was gonna happen through rape, and you want this woman to endure seeing this baby that she's supposed to love, and every time she sees this baby, she's gonna see her rapist, right? Essentially. And you mean to tell me you you won't let her make the decision? So if you don't think she should make that decision, I'm going to need you to give me an alternative to how she's going to be able to get through that. What kind of counseling are you going to be able to session? Are you going to be able to create for this woman once this baby is born up until the, the point that this kid is a, a full-grown man or woman? Right. You know? So it's just, I, I, it just kind of kind of hit me when I was thinking about it. It's like, the people that are opposed to pro-choice are not taking the side of love. They're taking the side of the majority, and majority of the people in the church is telling you, we don't want to go against what God is saying. I mean, constantly throughout the whole Trump thing, people were saying, we need to go with who God is choosing. You know, and we already kind of went on yeah. that. We need to go with who's <laughs> God, who God is choosing. I'm like, listen, I'm talking to God, too. He, you know, I, I don't know where y'all getting y'all decision from. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So it's the exact same kind of scenario. I want to be on the side of love, and I want to move how God has given us the decision to be able to say, hey, when we all leave tonight, Lauren's wearing red, Brock's wearing black, I'm wearing black, Shonda's wearing white. Nobody had a criteria on what we had to, to, to wear to come into this place. That's the stance. Absolutely. Lo, were you going to add to that? Um, just to add to what Stefan was saying, because uh, I've heard before like people would say, well, you can carry the baby, you can go ahead and carry the baby, and then you can you can um, adopt the baby. Like you can put, put it up for adoption. You can put the baby up for adoption, right? And these are people that have never experienced or never even really sat down to understand what a woman goes through when they are pregnant. When they carry that baby for nine months, the connection that you create with that child for the nine months, and then you have to go through the birthing labor. You got to go through, you got to cry, you got to do whatever it is. You, and I don't, I don't know about y'all, but I have been in a room when both of my sisters have had their children. And it is the most it's traumatic, traumatic experience you will ever go through yeah, I saw a YouTube video and to go through <laughs> all of that and give your baby away because that's the thought process Absolutely. because the the people that are making these decisions well well these are people who I've heard say in the past that uh your body has a way of shutting down if you're getting raped that you won't get pregnant this was a politician who said this <laughs> that if you're being raped Ooh. that a woman's body knows how to shut down that you would never get at a Look it up. I can't think of his name. I know How he was does running he for. Know what a woman's. I'm. I'm, I'm from. I'm, just, the, I'm from the woods. <laughs> okay, and I think that's all I need to say. About right, that but right I'm there. just Are saying that's that's me? what that's what he said. So, <laughs> Lawrence faces. Is, I'm. I'm. I'm just telling you. He. He. He had. He lost. He was running for Congress, but that was what he said. That a woman's body, when she's being raped, that she can't get pregnant. But then it's like. What about uh, molestation? A woman who's being molested by her father. Can her body shut down too? Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit y'all with that. But th those are the kind of people that we're up against. So I apologize. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so I just, for me, right, I have friends. I have people that I have been around. I have family members that got pregnant young. I have um, friends that got pregnant when they were older, whatever the case may be. Some of them decided to keep their children. Some of them decided not to, right? When you think of a woman, right? I'm going to just, let's just say Sally Sue, right? So Sally Sue goes out and she has sex. Okay. She go, she go out, she has sex. She makes the conscious decision to have sex. Right? So that's her first choice. She made her first choice to go out and have sex. Sally Sue gets pregnant. Sally Sue is a single woman. Sally Sue lives with her parents or she's on assistance or Sally Sue may have a good job. But Sally Sue is not ready to be a mother. Now, society says, oh, well, this is you made the choice. You deal with it. Right? That's That's what... Pro-life is saying, you made this choice, you deal with it. And like we said earlier in the show, 
What about health insurance? How am I going to afford this child? Outside of buying them clothes and buying them food, how am I going to make sure if they need to go to the doctor or the hospital or whatever, I can afford to do that? I, I am all for people dealing with, you know, what whatever decisions they make, the consequences that come to it. But abortion is one that I'm against because you cannot tell me Anybody, I don't care who it is, you cannot tell me how I feel in my body. You cannot tell me how I feel in my mind. You cannot tell me what I what I wake up like every single day knowing that I'm about to carry this child that I know I cannot take care of. Or I might be able to take care of this child, but I'm going to have to struggle along the way. And I, I, I feel like sometimes when people make decisions to say, oh, I'm going to keep my baby because of whatever reason, but then that baby comes in this world. It has to suffer because you know that you didn't have what it took to take care of them. And the kids, that's when you see the kids and they barely can eat or they barely have, they get the bare minimum of everything because you made the decision to say, well, I'm going to bring them into this world anyway. Like the movie, Losing Isaiah. She was on drugs. and But she decided to keep her baby, right? Yep, and then she when she got pregnant, she put him in the trash. She here. put her baby in the trash, right? So she she went and she her he moved on. He with this nice family, love the family, and then you want your baby back. It's people in the world like that right, right. now, and that at the end of the day, that's still a life, that's still a soul. So this baby is experiencing trauma at an early age because of decision that you make, and I just. I don't think that people should take away people's choices. I just, I don't. So um, before before we continue, because I see uh, where we're going with the time, and this is a topic that I know is going to continue to carry on, I am going to um, pause the conversation, and we're going to continue this um, and kind of do a part two with this episode. So in the part two, you will get the rest of the conversation and you'll get our closing statements as well. I know normally this, and I'm, I know you, people probably listen to like, wait, 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 y'all got to keep going. Don't cut me off right here. But before we go, and I'm going to read this scripture um, that was, and I want y'all to think about it, ponder it, and then we'll talk about it on, on the next episode. But um, I was watching a show one time about a guy with a gentleman who was, um, he wasn't Christian. Um, and he was talking about how the hypocrisy of church people and things like that and um, and and how he said the Bible even talks about in, in certain instances, it's OK to cause an abortion. And I'm like, what? He said, and I'm going to read you the scripture that it says it. So I'm going to end the show on this scripture. So I want the people who are listening to read this scripture. They come across and then we'll talk about this scripture and continue this conversation as we come back. So this comes from Numbers, the fifth chapter of Numbers. Um, and it starts um, around the 20th verse. But to know where it starts, it, 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 um, it starts really at 11 when if a husband thinks his wife has been unfaithful and he's jealous, um, he's supposed to bring his wife to the priest and, or whatnot. So I'm just going, but I'm not going to start at 11. But that, that's where the root of the scripture is. Is and I am going to read this 
hold on. I'm going to read it in NIV. So let me just pull this up. Um, no, I'm going to start at 16. The priest shall bring her and have her stand before the Lord. Then he shall take some holy water in a clay jar and put some dust from the tabernacle, the tabernacle floor into the water. And the priest has the woman stand before the Lord. He shall loosen her hair and place in her hands the reminder offering, the grain offering for jealousy, while he holds himself, while he holds himself, holds the bitter water that brings a curse. Then the priest shall put the woman under the oath and say to her, if no man has had sexual relations with you and you have gone astray, become impure while married to your husband, may this bitter water that brings a curse not harm you. So she's to drink this water. And if she's been unfaithful, is he prays that prayer. But if you have gone astray while you were married to your husband and have made yourself impure by having sexual relations with a man other than your husband, here the priest is to put the woman under the curse. May the Lord cause you to become a curse among your people when he makes your womb miscarry and your abdomen swell. May this water that brings a curse into your body so that your abdomen swells or your womb miscarries. Then the woman is to say, amen, so be it. So that's the scripture I'm going to end on. Uh, the people that are listening, um, you can look that up again. That's in Numbers. The fifth chapter it starts around 11, and I read up to 22. So until we see you guys next week, this is Road to Damascus, where it's not about the road, it's about the journey, and we'll talk to you then. God bless. <laughs>